0: Hello fantasy book lovers of all ages, Stephen here, Phantology Pod. We have The Shadow of What Was Lost by James Eilington, and we have Ben from Sin City on the line with us to break it down. Ben, say hello. Hello. So, The Shadow of What Was Lost, James Eilington, the first book in the Lycanius Trilogy. James is from Australia, I don't know if I've read a book by an Australian author before, I probably have, but... For some reason, Australia is important to us today. Before we get started on our review of the book, a word from our sponsor is always Bookshelf. Ben, do you ever have issues waiting for whole times on audiobooks or just the fact that audiobooks are so expensive? I know you're a big audiobook fan.
1: I do. I especially hate when I um, don't realize that it's coming up at the end of my loan and I haven't quite finished the book. I'm at like 75% of the way through and then it gets returned on me and I have to wait like another month to finish it.
0: I'm personally way behind in all of the books that I have checked out on Overdrive. I believe I have seven or eight books that are all stacked up waiting for me to read, and with the holidays, Thanksgiving, I got way behind in my listening, and now I have this anxiety, like I need to get through these books and I'm drowning in pages. So Bookshelf solves this problem by giving you access to all of the books that are available in our library. The only catch is you have to listen to ads, but that's really a small price to pay for this awesome service. Ben, what would you think of uh, if this was available to you? I would say sign me up. So watch for Bookshelf coming soon. So let's jump into the content. And before we do, note here that this is a non-spoiler review. So we're not going to touch on any specific plot points. There might be some broad strokes of what the story is going to be. I'm about to read the Goodreads blurb review, which I think is just fair game. But if you listen to this, you're not going to be spoiling any of the actual plot for yourself. So Goodreads, and probably on the back of the book, has the following summary of the book, and I'm going to go ahead and read it here to get a conversation started. It has been 20 years since the end of the war. The dictatorial augurs, once thought of almost as gods, were overthrown and wiped out during the conflict, their much-feared powers mysteriously failing them. Those who had ruled under them, men and women with a lesser ability known as the Gift avoided the augur's fate only by submitting themselves to the rebellion's four tenants a representation of these laws is now written into the flesh of any who use the gift forcing those so marked into absolute obedience as a student of the gifted davian suffers the consequences of of a war fought and lost before he was born despised by most beyond the school walls he and those around him are all but prisoners as they attempt to learn control of the gift worse as davian struggles with his lessons he knows that there is further to fall if he, not, if he cannot pass his final time but when davian discovers he has the ability to wield the forbidden power of the augurs he sets into motion a chain of events that will, chain everyth- that will change everything to the north an ancient enemy long thought defeated begins to stir And to the West, a young man whose fate is intertwined with Davian's wakes up in the forest, covered in blood and with no memory of who he is. Okay, that is our summary. And Ben, as you listen to that, what did you think of the summary? Is this true to the book? I
1: think that this blurb does a pretty good job at describing the book. I think that it places a lot of emphasis on being in a school and surrounded by school walls. And although that is how the story starts, it progresses past that very quick. So if you read the blurb and you thought that you might be getting more of like a Harry Potter or perhaps Name of the Wind type book, it's not its not that premise so much as it's its more of like a Lord of the Rings type book where you're going out into the country and journeying to different areas of the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. It's also been uh, been compared to Wheel of Time quite a bit. I think one of the blurbs on goodreads or maybe even on the book says like fans of robert reed the shadow of what was lost because it's just like time i i agree with that to some extent uh the other thing about the blurb is it talks about davian a lot davian is our i guess he's our main character but there are at, at least four or five more viewpoint characters in the book so it kind of follows that classical structure or maybe not classical but more modern structure of several different viewpoint characters. It jumps around quite a bit.
1: Sure. I think that it might be fair, um, if we're going to compare this to Wheel of Time, to kind of say that Davian is, is like Rand, not so much in his, you know, awesome ability near the end of the book, but in the fact that he's a major protagonist surrounded by a lot of other major protagonists that we also get to follow.
0: Yeah, I would actually say another character is more like Rand, but that would be a spoiler so listen to our next episode <laughs> and we will dive more into that before we really get started i've got a rant against this book shadow of what was lost takes a lot of the weird fantasy naming conventions to a whole nother level let me read you off a few vocab words and names from this gilshar Elitai, Ilseth Tenvar, arcane devade talcomar malshash, malshash rather shemailoth signari sheteth dargathan Dokin, gavesh and there's probably some more and what you can't see from me just reading those words is that about half of those words that i just read have apostrophes somewhere in the middle so there's a couple of problems with this one as a reader i can't really remember who or what all these things are because the naming is just so weird i mean i know he's australian but that's an english language i don't know why these names have to be so out there and two a lot of people listen to audiobooks now and frankly as an audiobook listener I don't know how any any author could expect a listener to be able to write these names down or discuss them or remember them. I mean, a lot of these things aren't repeated a whole lot. So you hear some weird word once and it and registers in the back of your mind and then you forget and you've got no idea. So that's my rant against this book. Clean it up. I don't know why naming conventions have to be this difficult. I think you can come up with some unique, fun things without having all these apostrophes and weird consonant-vowel combinations. I think Sanderson does a really good job of this, and he has some unique naming without uh, making it unpronounceable. What do you think, Ben?
1: No, I completely agree with that. You know, I uh, I listened to this first book with my wife on a road trip, and more often than not, we would pause the book and say, oh, do you think it's that one guy? And we couldn't remember his name. We just kind of referred to them by their, by their general char- characteristics. And so I think that yeah, I think you're dead on on that. I think he does do a good job at keeping the main character's names pretty straightforward. Um, but even there's a character who, whose name is Weir. And I heard that all throughout the book. And then when I went to read it, I read the name and I, I didn't know it was the same character because it's spelled W-I-R-R in the book. So even the way that it's pronounced in the audiobook Versus how it's spelled, it, sometimes it's not as phonetic as you would think it would be. So I think that, you have, that you're have you dead on on that rant.
0: And what speed did you listen to the audiobook at? You know, uh, because I was listening to it with somebody else, I was just at 1.5. So Yeah, okay. 1.5 is totally reasonable. Hopefully, our listeners are listening at 1.5 because, frankly, you just sound cooler at 1.5. 1.0 is, is way too slow. Absolutely, yeah. So with that said, rant over. Let's actually dive into our, some of our takes on the book. So, we have a few categories of, of a, a rating system here. We'll go through these, give kind of out of 10 ratings, and then discuss a few thoughts on, on what we're actually thinking, justifications. And then, if there's any other thoughts, we can get into that and we'll give a final rating. I should also mention before we get started, we like to have content ratings for books because books are hard to actually find a content rating. Unlike movies, there's no rating system right there's no label on the back of your book with a with a letter on it so then give us a rating
1: um just in general like overall rating
0: yeah like what age level would this be appropriate for what kind of content okay
1: i see so i think overall it's very um i would say very tame so i would give it like a very low in terms of in terms of content so i think that um violence is the rating that scores highest and so i would say maybe maybe 6 out of 10 in violence. Um, it's far more violent than your typical like YA book, um, but it's not nearly on the same level as like Game of Thrones. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of off-screen violence that mm, happens. Yeah. A lot of violence, to, to avoid spoilers, a lot of violent deeds have been done. Characters are arriving on scenes, but actual violence committed, there is certainly some, and, and I agree with you, that would be the strongest content. Sure. I think that,
1: if you read the fantasy genre, then you have to have a a pretty strong stomach for violence a lot of times, and this does not even approach kind of the the grittier um type of books that that the fantasy genre has produced in the in recent years so
0: and then so moving off violence, if we go into sexual content, there is none. Don't worry about that at all. Language, I don't know even know if there are any real world swears. He goes into kind of the cool fantasy idea that Robert Jordan started and Sanderson really made popular of coming up with fake fantasy world swears. But can you even recall if there are actual swear words in the book?
1: No, you know, in preparation for this I um I went onto my Kindle copy and uh searched for the most common four letter letter words and I couldn't find any. So I'm pretty confident that uh that there's no real world
0: swears in this book. None of your favorite words made it into the book, huh? <laughs> nope. Okay. So content rating, I think we're going to give this a PG, maybe minor PG 13 because of the violence, but this is a great intro to fantasy book um, and, and, no worries about giving this to your nephew or something, having his mom get upset at you. So let's talk about the book. So let's give a rating for premise for premise. We'll say, uh, what's the overall feel of the book? Is it an original idea? Does it, execute on its idea, add some twist to it. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, the premise of this book, it's pretty basic. There's nothing new or original that's really happening as far as a premise is concerned. The plot certainly has some twist to it. But we, I mean, we read the blurb of the book it's an adventure tale. It's a coming of age. There's multiple characters. There's magic. There's nothing really new happening. Here. Uh, I don't think that books need to necessarily have something new happening in order for it to be a solid book, but it is kind of cool when you see a unique premise. A lot of books have been written, so it's hard to have an array. But for a premise, for me, I'll give seven and a half. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that although the premise uh, isn't
1: very original, I think that there's a lot of depth to the book. So I think that the depth kind of makes up for the unoriginal premise, but I agree with that rating.
0: So that leads us to plot. You kind of touched on it with the depth um, remark that you made. So I would say for plot, I went through about the first half of this book. It was a pretty classical fantasy type read, a lot of Wheel of Time kind of feels to it. And then about halfway through, It had this, I don't want to give any spoilers, but it had this sci-fi twist to it that was really kind of cool and elevated the plot for me. And then as this book goes on and into the next book, it continues to kind of hit back at more complex plot elements that really drive the story for me because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of things that are hinted at. Um, You don't know characters' motivations or backstories or who is really who in some cases, so the the plot gets a very high score for me. I'd say, I'll, I'll say this is an eight and a half out of 10 plot.
1: Yeah, I would, uh, I'll probably go so high as to give it a nine out of 10 plot. I think that a lot of fantasy books, you kind of have a deeper level that you can go into and that some fans do go into, but that might not be necessary to go into that deep. But I think that with this book, you can live in the deep. You know, there's really no avoiding it. In order to understand what's going on with the main characters, kind of main storyline, you need to understand what's the, kind of the um, going on behind the deeper parts of the, of the book.
0: And much more so into the second book as well. The second book, uh, the timeline, we'll say, expands. I don't think that's a spoiler. And actually, in preparation for this podcast and my reread of the second book, and the the release of the third book, which is coming out next week, I did some looking around on Reddit, ran into a timeline for the series. And there were like 50 different entries scattered across thousands of years with all of our fun names written all across the thing. And I was like, I've read this series. I've actually read the first book twice. Um, and, I, and I have no idea what's going on in this timeline. So honestly, if you're going to read this series, now is a great time to do it because all three books, the third book is coming out next week. All three books are out. You can just go right through it, understand everything, really enjoy it. But if you've only read one and then waited two years, and then waited to next one, you're going to have a really hard time knowing what's going on. That's how complex conflict- characters. Yeah. Yo, anything else on plot? I was just
1: going to agree with you. I read this. Uh, I read this book, I think four months ago for the first time. And in preparation for this podcast, I had to go back and read a lot of summaries and um, kind of refresh myself for it. So it, it it's pretty deep. Yeah.
0: No doubt. So characters. I don't know about, you. I, I, this is a little controversial. Some people really like the characters from just some Goodreads reviews that I've read. My opinion is I am not too impressed by the characters, at least not in this book. I think in the second book, they get better but here's my analogy for the characters. If you've ever played one of the original Final C games, you know, you go through with your party and you just have basically four of the same people, but they play different roles. Like you have your warrior and your red mage and white mage, black mage, fighter, and all these different people. But it's like the same little pixelated sprite guy for each of the characters. That's kind of how I felt with these characters. We have Davian and Weir and Asha and Caden and Terrace and, and these people, but they don't really like, they're just kind of these wooden characters that have different roles. Like, Oh, you're the, you know, Royal character, you're the magic character and they have some personality things to them. But honestly, like if you picked one up and slapped them in another role, they could be the other person just as well. What do you think?
1: You know, I think that you're going to have a lot of apps coming at you for that because I hearing you say that i agree with it but i think that the main reason that i kept reading this book and enjoying it was because of the characters so maybe maybe it's the fact that these characters are a little bit one dimensional but there's so many of them that it's that's interesting how they interact with each other but i think that uh that people are going to have some very strong opinions about that opinion
0: so so let's let's disagree a little bit so i liked the character but how could you not because The characters are all such great people. Like there's hardly any grayness to them. There is a little more in the next books as you figure more out about the backstories. And I know we're alluding a lot to things that, but it's kind of hard to talk about this without doing. But in this book, honestly, they just felt they were all such goody goods for lack of a better word. They were all going to do the right thing and have the magic and figure out the problem. I I didn't like it so much. You know- I I think that
1: um, I would say that the revelations that certain characters get to give each other throughout the book make them seem like deeper characters than they might be. So I think that those kind of plot twists and revelations that occur throughout the book kind of help uh, carry, carry the
0: character, characters from here. So, I mean, the plot, we talked about the, the plot is good, right? So that, yeah. that carried it yeah, along okay. but that's, that's the that, actual yeah. characters themselves like the core character element of the story I'm just struggling with because I like them but they're so lame sometimes like there's nothing really all that cool about these guys they're just too they're too perfect they don't seem like real people to me
1: Yeah you know I think I think I'll concede this point to you I think I remember listening to a review I'm pretty sure it was by Daniel Green and he mentions that this is a bit of a spoiler, not too much, that two of the characters have some people killed in front of them and they don't really react to that. They just kind of say, oh, okay, that happened. And, and there's no reason to think that these characters have been exposed to violence on that scale before. And so he kind of made the point that, uh, that if they're real characters and kind of had some depth to them, that they would have had some type of emotional reaction to that event. So, you know, I, I can see where you're going.
0: And a lot of the things that I'm saying are going to make it sound like I really didn't like the book. I tend to be too critical um, overall. We'll talk about this more, but I I did like the book quite a bit, actually. But the characters, I don't know. And and this is coming from after reading the Lightbringer series, which is phenomenal character work and is totally driven by the characters. So I think that's probably part of it. I remember when I first read the series, I liked the characters more than I'm talking about, liking them now, so there's probably some of that. I'm being a little overly critical. But our next thing we want to talk about is the world slash setting. Um, What did you think of the world, Ben? I think that we talked about how this book doesn't really break out
1: tropes too much. And I think that at least the world in the the first book kind of adhered to the classic, you know, kind of medieval world where there's not too many interesting settings that you see. Um, there's no like shattered planes from Brandon Sanderson or, you know, there's there's no real driving kind of force that you experience in the world. So I would give the like, in terms of world and setting, probably a five out of 10, at least for the first.
0: Yeah, I wrote down derivative, nothing really new, some wrinkles added, good magic. So the world, yeah, the world is just another fantasy world. Like there's kind of a cool map. There is a barrier wall type thing in the north, kind of like another very popular fantasy series that you've probably heard of. There is a kind of ruined city that is basically Shadar Logoth, if you've read Wheel of Time. So there's there's not a whole lot new that's added. Um, I did like the magic system there are there are two types of magic that kind of work off of each other. I thought that was kind of a fun thing. So there are some some wrinkles to the to the world bit, but nothing really too fantastic. Uh, I guess when you talk about setting you're probably also talking about timeline. And we discussed that the timeline is quite extensive. So I, I will give it a, a pretty solid plus for that. The timeline element of the of the story is is quite strong. Next up pacing. So pacing is a element of the story that I said was outstanding. I thought there was always something going on. It really kept me reading. The writing is not too poetic. So the, the writing is not super phenomenal in that aspect, but it does a, a really great job of just driving the action forward. It seems like you know sentence after sentence just kind of builds on each other. Like, okay, here's what's going on. Boom, boom, boom. Things are moving on and it keeps you involved.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. I think that like the pacing of this book I feel like every other chapter almost has like a big reveal. You know, you you. I think that most people love fantasy books because of the kind of moment where it feels like you just like everything kind of came together for you. And I honestly felt like that happened, you know, a hundred pages into it. And every, you know, every other chapter felt like I had like another big reveal. And it really did a good job of um, like putting a desire to keep on reading it. So I I thought the pacing was probably the best part of the book.
0: One thing that I actually didn't like about pacing now that I think about it is around like three-fourths of the way into the story. um, I guess I won't say any specific details, but the pacing kind of slows down and characters are just kind of talking to each other. And there's one thing that he does a lot is when characters get back together after being separated, he always has the characters info dump to the other character what just happened to them. And he doesn't actually write it out, but it's always like the characters sit down and they talk and he says all these things that happen and the other character's like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're back. And it just kind of got a little old to me. It was like, okay, these guys are meeting up again. These guys are meeting up again. Let's move on with the story. Slow down for a moment there. Uh, But it it led into a nice climax. So I can't be too critical. So next, next topic here is prose. And I just mentioned this. That's kind of my take on the prose was, it's not very poetic, but it's very utilitarian, we'll say. Um, it gets the action across, and it's, it's a little cringy sometimes, and there's some not very good show-don't-tell where you're like, okay, I already know that. Why are you just explicitly telling me? Why don't you just show it to me in a more creative way? It was, a, it was okay, pros. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I have a pretty strong opinion about this. I, I guess I'll put it out there. I'm, I was not the biggest fan of the pros. You know, this was um, his first book, Isington's first book. And I think in a lot of ways, you couldn't tell in terms of the plot and the how well everything was thought out. But in the prose, you could definitely tell. And I, you know, I listened to this book. And so there's this phrase that just kept on, you know, when you notice a phrase and and you hear somebody repeat it over and over again? Well, the phrase for me in this book was inclined his head. And he would use that phrase it seemed like every page. And I actually went through and, and did a word search for that for that phrase, inclined his head or inclined their head. And that was used 75 times throughout the book, which is on average every eight pages. So, you know, I don't know if that's like an editor's thing that they should catch or something, but it felt like, you know, you can find another way to, to indicate that a character acknowledged something rather than oh, Davian inclined his head.
0: Yeah, why are they inclining their heads so much? It seems like all these
1: characters would have very sore necks after this book.
0: So you've spent some time in Australia. Is inclining your head some kind of Australian phrase that means something? You know,
1: if it is, I it was some type of Australian secret for me because I never really heard that phrase when I was there.
0: <laughs> no, but you, you're right. There are definitely some phrases... That are used more often. I can't come up with with any, but yeah, he needs to branch out a little more with his with his wording in general. I can't remember remember offhand if the second book gets better or not. Uh, I guess check out our review that will hopefully come out the following week for uh, for my opinion there. I haven't started my reread yet. So our final category here. Well, I put down depth, but we're gonna skip that because we are, we kind of already talked about that. So the final category here is how epic was it? This category comes from some of Sanderson's lectures where he talks about like the golden rule of writing is just make it cool. Like you can have all these story elements, but at the end of the day, you just want the thing to be cool and to get people to read it. So what did you think, Ben? How epic was the? I thought that the plot was epic and I thought that the maybe
1: second book was a lot more epic than the first book. Um so I guess I'll leave it at that.
0: Yeah, I just listened to the last probably 3 or 4 hours at like more than double speed in order to get ready for this podcast. So take that with a grain of salt. I thought the end the ending climax that I just listened to was decent. There was probably 5 to 10 chapters of action. Three or four hours, like I just said, things were happening. Um, there were a few action scenes prior to that. But there is kind of a lot of traveling and talking. And there is a cool p- bit at the at the middle where some of the sci-fi things are happening that I don't want to spoil. But overall, the, I wish this was a little more epic. It sets up quite a bit for the next, I feel like the whole last maybe 50 pages or so. Is all like setting up loose threads that are going to be further unravelled in the next book. So that's pretty solid. I think the ending of the story. I'm I'm really hoping book three is is pretty epic. Book two has a nice ending if I remember correctly. So yeah, if you're looking for an exciting story, this this book definitely delivers. So let's wrap up here. Any final thoughts for you, and then go ahead and give us a rating out of ten for. The-
1: um, I think that out of ten, I'll give this book. I'm going to say 7 out of 10. I think that if we're looking at it as hopefully a series overall, but for sure like uh, as a as a pairing of books, that uh, would probably be a closer like to an 8.5 out of 10. But just as a single book, I'll say a 7 out of 10.
0: Yeah, 7 was actually the number that came to my mind as well. I think, and I think that's a really good rating. So this is an author's first book that he's ever written as far as I know. And it's the first in a trilogy and it's epic fantasy and there's a huge plot and there's tons of characters in this huge world. And I think he does a a really solid job, especially for his first book. Um, There's definitely some shortcomings, which we've talked about, but I would say absolutely. If you are a fan of epic fantasy, give this book a read, especially with the third book coming out next week. This is a great choice for you. Add this to your bookshelf. Um, and look for our next podcast that's going to come out soon that reviews more of the actual plot threads with spoilers. That would be great if you're trying to do a quick reread before book three comes out. We'll hopefully get through uh, book two, our book two rereads, so we can review that for you. And then uh, go ahead and enjoy the third one. So, Ben, any final thoughts you want to send us off here? You know, if, if you are looking for a way to listen to this book, you should check out Bookshelf the best way to listen to audiobook hey i think i heard something about that at the beginning of the podcast you might have all right thanks man take care see you everyone next all right. time